0: Hello and welcome back to The Ruck. There are two weekends of the regular domestic season to go and for some clubs it just can't come soon enough. Uh, I saw Bath uh, at the weekend, Um, painful to watch. Quinn's painful to watch. Mike, what will you do when it's all over?
1: Uh, I'll hold myself away in a garret and write the next great bestseller. To follow... Ivan, the futuristic dystopian sports satire that is
0: flying off the shelves. Al, you're probably heading off to some distant, exotic part of the rugby world to tell us about undiscovered scrummaging techniques. What, what, would that be fair?
2: No, actually, uh, as much as I'd love to be doing that, I'm heading off to the the vast wilderness of San Francisco for the, the Sevens World Cup. Because how good was the Sevens at the Commonwealth Games? It was great. Avid, uh,
0: keen listeners will know that today we have we have cleverly assembled uh, a podcast team with the two rugby writers in existence who have a Y as the second letter of their surname. Uh, so we have Mike Aylwin of Million and One Things, Observer... Uh, Sport best 500. Se- Sport 500, best-selling uh, fiction. We, we need, we need anyway, a, s- a separate edition to talk about your successes. And, uh, and uh, Alan Dimmick, um, superstar uh, feature writer of Rugby World. Hello. uh Al. Yeah. So you have the latest uh, copy of Rogue World in front of you. I do, yeah. And it is—it's the, the Top Gun.
2: Explain what the, what the cover is. It's the—it's the next generation. So it's the fifty future stars you need to know about now. So it's a load of guys under the age of twenty-three, uh, fewer than fifteen caps. Uh, quite a number of them uncapped, um, and just telling you who you need to keep your eye on, who the the next superstars are in line.
0: Okay, and let, and let's and let's have let's have a plump at this. So that your long shot. Can you pick out one player from your top fifty? who listeners might not have heard of who you think maybe in three or four years' time we might be going, bloody hell, we heard that guy on the ruck. We heard his name there
2: first. One of the faces of the, the Rugby World Cup in Japan will be uh, a Japanese second row called Kazuki Himeno. He could be... You, if you go head out to the Rugby World Cup, you could see his face everywhere there, young up-and-coming star. Um, and there's a guy, if you follow Sevens, actually, there's a young guy... Um, called Atene Nanai Saturo who is uh, a Kiwi he's playing on the 7th circuit at the moment but he was signed by New Zealand Warriors Rugby League team at the age of 15 straight out of school Um, there was a bit of a tug of war between New Zealand Warriors and the New Zealand Rugby Union and he's now representing the uh, the All Black 7s around the world and he's got a lot of promise behind him so he's another guy that you might be hearing from
0: excellent, excellent what knowledge we
2: have
0: have. Uh, Mike Uh, At the weekend, you spent your time watching... Wasps beat Worcester. And did that make you feel good about life? Uh,
1: Well, Christian Wade scored a couple of tries. That always makes me feel better about life. I mean, he's my favourite player, isn't he? Everybody's adorable to watch. So fast, deadly. The poor, I mean, people twice the size of him. Wingers twice the size of him clutching at air as he streaks past them. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about the second yellow card. Well, actually, both yellow cards in a sense, but the second yellow card in particular... Is this Wasp
0: drum scored. roll I- issue of the day coming up? Uh,
1: issue of the day from Wasps, certainly. Go on, um, it was, uh, WASP Wasps just, in fact, scored a beautiful fourth try, which is important, because the race for the top four, as you know, is very tight. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was called back, because uh, there was a big second row lying on the floor in obvious pain, and... Uh, they noticed that the second row had gone up in the air and come down hard. And uh, the referee clearly wanted to pin it on somebody and Jimmy Gopeth's right hand rested on the second row's hip as he was airborne and Gopeth got a yellow card for it despite the fact that, in fact, it was his own player who'd come across and taken the guy's legs out. Uh, And Gopeth had to swing. And I just hate this culture we have where when... You know there are certain areas that uh, world rugby want to crack down on, and if anyone is hurt, or indeed if it just looks ugly, um, somebody has to go for it. And Gopeth was obviously absolutely astonished to receive this yellow card at a crucial point. The whole idea of honest players having to do time in the bin there's no cr- there's no punishment worse for a player than to be deprived time on the field, and to see players being forced to go off just to satisfy the general image drive of the game just upsets me i mean people get hurt playing rugby we all know that i don't see why honest innocent players should be punished for the fact that people get hurt playing rugby
2: i mean there's an interesting point there because we're still no matter how long we've had tmos no matter how long we've had video replays um and you've heard lots and lots about var and and soccer and, and where that's going and what what could possibly happen and some people aren't happy that it's going to be at the the fifa world cup for example, but we're still sort of traipsing around that ground where we haven't quite found the sweet spot where enough interference is good and letting the game flow is is alright. Al? Yes? Where did you spend your weekend? I spent my weekend in Ealing, watching Ealing Trailfinders secure second place in the Championship a team that a lot of people have been looking at and talking about as the discussion about ring fencing comes up so I went to go and watch watch their game. Very good, Ealing
0: fascinating, do you, and so do you think um, the world would be a better place if Ealing were promoted?
2: I don't think, uh, and I think they would be they were Right, this is an interesting one because they obviously would be delighted to be promoted, they're a very ambitious club with a very ambitious owner um, a very ambitious uh, young DOR uh, in, in Ben Ward they, they have certain expectations. They believe that they can build up there. Speaking to some of the fans afterwards, there's a lot that would need to change for Ealing to be able to play in the in the Premiership, uh, and Gallagher Premiership as it will be. And for for them, you know their ground isn't sufficient size, so they would have to find somewhere else to play. They would have to have a. Hu- well, they're already going to have a huge change in playing personnel for next season, uh, for the run at next season's Championship Division. It's there's a lot of uncertainty and it's you almost as exciting as it would be. There's a lot of question marks over them. The answer is I don't know how they would fare, but it would be fairy tale to begin with. But it's always fairy tale when a, a young, team, unfancy team. Okay,
0: comes up. so Mike, he's, he's, he he made the point. So if they're going to go up, they're going to have to play at a stadium away from where they are, from where from where the, the club has grown and where it where it belongs and if they're going to go up they're going to have to lose most of their players and recruit a new set. So is that a fairy tale or is, or is that no. just a, a, ambition becoming uh, not greed but it, is it is it preposterous well, it's, ambition?
1: It's, yes, it's virtually pointless, isn't it?
0: I mean is um, that a, is that a rugby club or is it
1: well I, I don't know I, I you know you, you've got some um, harlequins in southwest London and then there are four or five Three or four other major historic rugby clubs in that region, very close, and their fate has been grizzly. London Welsh, Grizzly, London Scottish, Grizzly, Richmond Grizzly, London Irish could end up being Grizzly. I mean, what makes Ealing think they're going to suddenly soar into this fairy tale land? Well, the
0: the today? odds the odds on soaring are, are less than the aforementioned because they're a, a smaller club. They well, exactly. the average eight hundred at the moment, a, a gate of eight hundred. Uh, so, if they were to go up, they would have to rent a stadium. They'd probably getting be getting crowds of maybe two and a half thousand or something. So maybe they make a loss every game, whereas your your home game is supposed to be where, where you, you make lots of the money.
2: It's a difficult one because, because it, you know you don't want to go down the line of saying you don't you don't want to be a reward for ambition. So Coventry was another club I went went to this year for a feature in the magazine, and we went to see them. And they've just been promoted back to the Championship, a famous old club that's... And, a long, and, and they want to soar as well, don't they? they? They are very, very ambitious, and they have been close to going out of existence a couple of times, and they've built themselves back up. And again, they see the Holy Grail. And we don't want to get to a stage where we say, no, nah, that's not for you anymore. Because at the moment, that's still that's still an option. We'll see what happens when... Uh, when uh, Far wealthier and far more influential people than us sit round the table and discuss the fate of professional rugby in this country. But at the moment, you don't want to say that that's a no-no, but it has to be realistic and has to build. And I suppose for Ealing, you hope that if they do want to take this seriously, that it's it's going to be getting there in stages. I agree. You
0: you, you don't want to kill aspiration. You should never you should never want to to kill aspiration, but i i just look at that aspiration and, and wonder if there's any any sense about it very interesting so a uh, along similar lines cornwall um the cornish pirates have a big day tomorrow that's tuesday if you're if you're listening um a big decision on whether they get the uh, um the thumbs up for a new stadium if they get a thumbs up for a new stadium then they can pursue their dreams to go up as well mm-hmm. uh now mike knows that i go on Holiday to Cornwall. <laughs> so, for some bizarre reason, that makes me apparently makes me more in touch. a more enthusiastic backer of that one. No, so there's 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 more of a heartland there. And, and, no, and, exactly. And I mean, yes, they'll fill a stadium, and uh, you could see that one working.
1: You could, but I mean, everyone everyone wants to go on Everyone trip. holds up Exeter, and there's no doubt Exeter have nailed it, haven't they? I mean, they've been brilliant. Uh, but they had a massive cash injection at the start, a landfall, um, windfall rather, um, when they sold the county ground for five figures, uh, sorry, seven figures some. Uh, and that that really helps. And they've obviously got a great guy in Tony Rowe who's come in and sort of kept, uh, guided the, situ- the situation. And they've got, it's a massive hotbed of rugby in the south west. Uh, and is there extra room for the Cornish Pirates? Quite possibly, I don't know, but we will see but it's it's still hard. I mean, even Exeter, and they it took them years and millions to build their um, campaign. They didn't just ha- they didn't just get relegated to our fairy tale and you know saw from there. It took them years to uh, prepare.
2: I mean, looking at the way that Exeter performed at the weekend, um, do you think it's looking like it's it's odds on for them to make another Premiership final? I'd be uh, astonished
0: if there's if there's an alternative to Exeter being oh, the final. Being final.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. Can you see anything other than an extra Saracens final?
1: I think that's the likeliest, but watching Wasps, I I could see it. It's just their time of year now. The the grounds are firming up. They are deadly. Um, Their players are beginning to come back from their various injuries, and yeah, they're looking. Uh, Danny Cipriani went off just before half uh, half time with a bang to the head again, uh, which he was taken off. He passed his HIA, apparently. And was uh, but didn't come out for the second half as a precaution. Um but it, and Wasps did lose their way after
0: that. It looks now like it's uh well extra have got their home advantage semi. Of course. S- yeah. yeah. Saracens are one, Saracens one win over London Irish away from it.
1: Wasps yeah. will beat Northampton at home next round. So
0: you're gonna get Saracens uh Wasps will be one of the one of the semis and then you're gonna get Extra. Well
1: you, know, so I mean, you, you have also have to go to Leicester yeah. and they host Wasps. Yeah, for their last two games. I so sort of think it's going tough. to be
2: Leicester
0: again. Uh,
2: do you think so? What what psychological effect do you think it will have? The fact that Leicester lost at home to their biggest. It'll make them very wrong angry, wrong. and they'll smash Newcastle next round. <laughs> I should think. Do you think it's as simple as that? Uh, because it's not like Newcastle didn't show well, yeah, and obviously any Dino, spine. Dino will be coming back, down. Yeah. But you know, for Newcastle to come back the way they did against Sale, you know that's mightily impressive. no matter where you are in the country no matter who you're playing is, to come back from a deficit you know it's not like and Newcastle Falcons have shown this season it's not like they're a spineless side so they're not going to fear a backlash from Tigers I mean it's it's going to be worth watching certainly but I don't think it's cut and dry
0: so this is this is week twenty one, which is two weeks away. Um that that is the tithe around Leicester yeah. at home against Newcastle. Yeah. So you're tipping Newcastle
2: then. I'm oh. not saying I, I well, it, that's what it him, sounded like. You know what, let's be romantic. Oh. We you know we've shot down romanticism <laughs> in the last part there. Yeah, screw it. Let, let's let's see Faulkins finish for let's, ro- let's be romantic. How about he Gloucester? says
0: screw it. Quinn's just too painful for words. Yeah, so I was be. I went to um uh see John Kingston uh uh doing a sort of a small press huddle on uh, Thursday last week, which is the first time he uh, talked Post. publicly oh, really? oh, uh, following, um, following his his execution. Um, he's he's still there to the end of the season, as we know. And uh, he, he, fair play to him, he he stood there and, and didn't duck questions uh, and talked about you know his disappointment and his sadness that he was going, etc., etc. Um, but but he did say he felt pretty confident that there'll be quite some bounce back. Right. Um, and did he mean that weekend? Well, <laughs> he, did for, he mean in, in, in the last three weeks of, of his tenure, and, well, there and, wasn't and one. That, there and, wasn't one on Saturday. And, and then James Horwell and Chris Robshaw came and talked to us and said, "If anything's going to happen now, we're going to bounce back because we owe that man something." And I mean, it,
2: how much of that is empty rhetoric? Do you think?
0: Well, I mean, in, in retrospect, we can say most of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just sadly, the, the quality they have there.
1: Uh, but I'm sure they will bounce back next season, but um, it's it's straight. Well, I mean, I, I do well. Yes, I mean you would expect some sort of reaction, but uh, the bottom line is they don't have anything left to play for. They're in this horrific limbo. Um well, just, and Gloucester, Gloucester pride. did. I mean,
0: you well, know, know you, but pride got, you're doesn't... a man with pride, Mike. You understand that stuff. <sighs> yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hang, I, I just... hang my head. The saddest thing for me about that Quinn's defeat was um, Jack Clifford going off again. Yeah, hamstring torn it? off the bone. No, I think. Oh yeah, no, god! I mean, what a what a great player who just is struggling to get anywhere near his potential because he can't get through more than three or four games. I mean, this is you know another old conversation about injuries, etc. But I feel for him and. You know, when Eddie Jones arrived here in England, the first person he started talking about as his possible
2: solution to that number seven jersey was Jack Clifford. Absolutely, and it's one of those things. It's it's the great shame because you look at the even you look at the England under twenties team where they won the the World Cup in twenty thirteen. And he, was a Brilliant. he he captained that side to, to win over Wales, and you look at all the stars that have come from that team that have gone on to achieve fantastic things, and he's just not quite got there, even though he was the figurehead for that side and it's one of those things where you it's true you have to wonder is he going to get there you you'd say that you you hope he does and he certainly has all the talent to get there it's just about getting his his body right
1: it's interesting I don't know how uh he suffered this particular injury, but um I remember talking to Mark Evans. Uh, who was then the chief exec of Harlequins, and Chris Malone in the terrible uh, Bloodgate game. Uh, Chris Malone, uh, the whole thing started when he had his hamstring torn off the bone. And uh, Mark was saying that this is a new injury in rugby, and previously the only place he saw it was in surfing. Uh, when the wave, when the guy's crouched on the uh, surfboard and the wave crashes over him and you can have the hamstring torn away from your bone. Well, I, I and know this that from mimicking. my cable
0: connections. Well, of course yeah, you do. I've had that surfing but injury a couple of times. This is mimicking, times.
1: Uh, what happens now at the ruck when someone's crouched over the ball and gets walloped uh, by some big, ugly uh, fellow coming in at a rate of knots. That Quite is right. this
2: new. So Jack Clifford excessive so now, surfing. I dare say, or Jack not enough Clifford surfing. Probably maybe his... not two small waves, two big waves. Yeah, I
1: don't know. He needs to get out there. Harlequins, he needs to get out into the Pacific.
0: Harlequins have uh, Worcester away and then Exeter at home in their remaining two games. Uh, is Jon Kingston going to go out in style? extra at home is, is so probably sorry, that's, well yeah no because that'll be their last game before the playoffs they'll have a week between Absolutely. that game and the playoffs they'll put their first team out as as um, a tra- not a training run but kind of a practice run
2: yeah it's hard to, it's hard to say that even at that stage when one has already one has a lot to play for and the other by that point will have nothing to play for apart from pride um, I'm, I'm and Worcester will be playing
0: for something next week in, in that game in two weeks time uh, yeah, because yeah, Worcester, Worcester aren't are are safe yeah, capable.
1: Worcester, I mean, you know, all these teams are Perfect.
0: perfectly capable. And, I, you know,
1: it, that's why if you don't have the sharpness of motivation, and maybe doing it for JK is enough, I don't know. And I mean, pride, it wasn't your, your special quality. Well, yes, okay, but, there's, but all that, that's, that's, that's a motivation every week. I mean, it, that's not different for Harlequins. I mean, they're all, you know, pride motivates any professional sportsman.
0: Do you find it hard, though, to... to Put it all on the line with pride every week, Mike.
1: Yeah, well, you know, if I don't, um, you know, the, the observer <laughs> doesn't have a match report to win. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.
0: So slightly moving on but not far Uh, So the Harlequin situation is interesting John Kingston's leaving They're now conducting the uh, Global search, they're trolling
2: the planet (laughs) The the weekly search for the the best candidate They've not just taken out a small ad in local papers no, they're tr- there's no lonely hearts column. The they're trawling are- the
0: surface of the globe, yeah, and uh, they want the best DORs to replace him. Uh, there are very few English uh, DORs, um, uh running clubs at the moment. Uh, the because the they've all been sacked. There's loads of them available. That is the point. The question is, are they just not good enough here in these parts? Do they have to come
2: with a Kiwi accent to to be any good at this job? Well, I've got I've got a view on this one, and that. <laughs> At least, certainly, with the Quinn situation, it doesn't really matter what the accent is of the, the people coming out, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an idea why. I look at Quinn's and I think of the, the myth of boiling a frog. You ever heard of that? You put a frog in a pan of boiling water, it'll jump out instantly. But if you leave a frog in a pan of cold water and slowly turn up the temperature, it'll boil to death are you serious and have you Quinns, actually tried that that's a myth I've never actually tried it uh, but, but can we, Alex can we try this on air <laughs> that reminds me a lot of Quinn's in that people have just sort of left the, the situation around about them uh, change whilst, whilst assuming that the conditions are all fine everything's going to be the same as the good old days it's fantastic and they've sort of rolled on with quite similar personnel and lo and behold it's all fallen apart at the seams and they're now needing massive condition changes the thing is, is they need different voices it doesn't matter where they're from? Can what I just interrupt you just for a second? I don't mean I don't
0: really yeah. to slow you flow, but would you say that Northampton have got a, a boiling pot of water with a dead frog in there as well? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that's certainly, the same, isn't well, it? Yes, exactly.
2: I, yeah, I don't see the situations as too dissimilar. And they both won the title yeah. and thought, hey, we're in a pretty good place. Absolutely. And they've, they've, you know, they've done well, fantastically well over the last few years to promote from within and keep the same people that were there at the glory days stuck in that team because, hey, we had a winning formula then. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And actually, the conditions round about them have changed.
1: Well, you know, Mander had been there for, what was it, 11, 10 or 11 years. I mean, I think Mander's a fantastic Coach and uh, manager, it's a director of rugby. I mean, I remember. When, I don't think
2: anyone's disputing that, though, Mike. But I mean, it, it, but when you're there,
1: again, week to week, week to, for you know 10, 11 years. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, it's going to start.
0: Isn't this just part of the learning process of becoming good at something? Is is you fail from time to time, and you know, we'll, we'll, I'll bring his name up too quickly, but look how how well Stuart Lancaster is doing at Leinster now. Look at. Uh, I mean for, for me the the A1 example here is Richard Cockerell um, oh, yeah. who obviously lost his job at Leicester a year ago uh, did really well in Toulon end of last season and has now had a, a very good season with Edinburgh so you don't look at him and say oh, he's a failed DOR you look at him and go well which English club is going to bring
2: him back absolutely but do you think he's doing things exactly the same way as he did maybe he is doing things exactly the same as he did day to day but the, the, it's undeniable the conditions around Richard Cockerell have changed you know there's had to be some sort of change that you can you can learn from you can ad- adapt to improve and you know its under, I've spoken on this podcast before about what a good job Richard Cockrell has done with Edinburgh I mean look at the result they had at the weekend mm. absolutely scalping uh, the <laughs> scarlets, and you know that's fantastic, but the conditions around about them have had and I, I, you know I've heard from enough we've all heard from enough people and it's certainly fans as well that Quinns needs some different voices in there. And so, to go back to your original question, does it matter where they're from? OK, if you want to talk about young English coaches specifically that might be looking for a job... I mean, you mentioned that the people that are out of a job. I mean, Nick Kennedy's just lost the gig as a DOR. But do you think he would want to jump into that kind of gig straight away? Perhaps he would do. You look at promoting from in. Ali Heffer is a guy, who assistant at Exeter Chiefs. You think, yeah, he could maybe want or be due a goal at running a big club. Dave Walder, assistant at Newcastle Falcons, is another guy who is very, very highly rated for what he's doing. Maybe he's due a go but do you think... Sam Festy. Absolutely. Do you think these guys are ready for it, or do you go, actually, forget the English thing. You know what, if we're doing our global search and we want a young, ambitious, but also a coach with track record, why? and we've already just got an agreement with the New Zealand Rugby Union, why don't we go to the Crusaders and say, hey, can we have Ronan O'Gara off you early? and we'll make him our new DOR. Because he's had enough experience uh, climbing, successful, uh, and also troubled times with, with new clubs. He's willing for an adventure, and he's willing to take on a challenge that's not set for what he's used to. Maybe it's time for to give someone like Ronan O'Gara a go. Well, they, the they, he's want he's his, got they want his reception. boss, don't they? Scott that, Robertson. You know, either of those.
0: No, I like, I like Ronan O'Gara. That's that's brilliant. I, I As you say, Mike, Scott Robertson, I, I assume, would be... Uh, you know, if we were trying to guess their their, their wish list, Scott Robinson would probably be yeah. the top. He he led Crusaders to the um, Super Rugby title a year ago. Uh, but uh, uh, bring in Ronan. You you're making the hey, call. Why not? At least approach him. No, I like that. But the, but so, so, but the interesting thing. So, so you you reeled off uh, a few good names of, of some smart and very highly respected up and coming young English coaches. Yeah. But it's it, it seems to me that they're, that they're all getting to uh, assistant coach or head coach level and 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 then it's the next step up as who's who's going to be prepared to take them yeah um so ali hefa would appear to be the most the person who m- most fits the description of someone who who could take the step up and and run the whole thing as opposed to being a, a head coach
2: yeah perhaps i mean that, this is just saying you know if you're willing to take a punt on someone if you want to go for someone established i mean you you said uh, earlier Wolf, there was a dream scenario who would you pick? And so
0: go on. And dream scenario. Who are you picking?
2: Well the thing is, is <laughs> dream scenario. You don't know whether they'd, they'd be up to the. They'd be willing to do it. But Wayne Smith Has just taken on a role as the Co. Kobe-, Kobe Steelers, uh, they DOR play, they play in, well. in Japan. You uh, will have. To be fair to him, you'll have Dan Carter on his on his playing staff next season. So that's not a bad signing to have. If we were playing fantasy
0: DORS, which yeah. is a, which is a really fun game, everyone at home must try this. Um <laughs> Mike, would you have an alternative to, to yeah, Wayne I'm Smith? Yeah, I'm going Ben Ryan. Ben Ryan? Yeah. You just shot that from nowhere, haven't you? Because that's like... No, I'm I
1: think... Hip, why not? I you mean, know, you know, I'm,
0: he's... I'm unconventional and I've got well, a surprise. he's
1: unconventional. You know, he obviously everything he touches turns to gold in the sevens game. But, I mean, even before that, he was renowned for his kind of experimental approach to um, coaching 15s. Um, he's around... And he wants to get back in the fifteens. Oh, if has, has, um,
2: well hold on, as Warren Gatland said what he's gonna do after he leaves Wales at the end of the, the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Oh, I for a I, while. I when
1: I was I was at the London Irish debacle, uh, thirty five five at the stoop, um, and Sean Edwards was sitting just behind us in the press box. Uh, and apparently he was at the previous game as well, so
2: Whoa. That would be a different
0: view on things, wouldn't it? That that would be. So that's, a, a, that's is that a Ruck exclusive or did you write that for your own newspaper?
1: Uh, I didn't write it for my it's own amazing, newspaper. It's amazing
0: what you hear in these parts. Al, yeah. uh, Wayne, Wayne Smith, seriously, especially given that Quinn's uh, All Blacks uh, tie-up makes sense or did make sense, do you think that if Quinn's John Kingston had come to their mutual agreement that he was no longer going to work for them yeah. three weeks earlier... Do you think that this Wayne Smith might have been a, a, a candidate? Because he only took the job in Japan in, in the last
2: four He was nights. only announced uh, last week, yeah, yeah. certainly. Um, who knows how these things work, genuinely. The machinations of these, who knows. Jono, bring word. back
1: Jono! He's oh, ready, he's no done his
2: time. Said, no one said bring back
1: Jono I said for bring Queens. back Jono
0: when Cockers went,
1: but, you know, why not? I mean, Dean Richards did a good enough job at Harlequin's, you know, the Joke shop aside.
0: Okay, no joking aside. uh, Stuart Lancaster for the Harlequin's job? I think he's happy
2: where he is. Oh, yeah, why? And they'd have to prize him away. There are serious, I mean, he's in a side with Leinster who are going fantastically well. They look like they're set to go fantastically well for a few years, and he's happy. where he is, which is something that you you know you would have said was going to be was must have been a hard thing to attain for Stuart Lancaster, considering how everything changed with England. Mm. Um But also that as well as there are strong rumours in Ireland that he's being lined up for a, for a very good role in Ireland once Joe Schmidt departs as part of that IRFU set. Yeah. So why would why would he risk that? I don't think he would.
0: He might be holding himself for the uh, Ealing job. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> when they go up. Yeah. On Saturday, Leinster versus Scarlets in Dublin, and on Sunday, uh, Racing versus Munster uh, in Bordeaux. Uh, So, uh, two Irish clubs, uh, obviously not very many uh, uh, Englishmen involved, Stuart Lancaster is is, um, them carrying (laughs) the the flag. Flag Flag bearer. So, so is that you supporting uh, Lanny then, Mike?
1: Well, I'm a journalist, so I'm impeccably impartial. I wouldn't support anybody. Well done. I do like an underdog, so I, if you uh, insisted uh, on me supporting somebody, I would go for the scarlets. Um, they went Al- down by fifty at Edinburgh on the weekend. Although, I, well, uh, I, I say the scarlets. That was a it was, it was, it was a bunch up, of it? players yeah.
2: wearing scarlet shirts. Well, I mean, to be fair. Leinster made a hell of a lot of changes themselves and lost to Benetton. Yeah, but, well,
1: yes, but they had some pretty serious customers in
2: that B- team. Yes, but that also tells you the depth of what Leinster have. I mean, they can put out a second string team that's still full of stars. And, uh, you know, yeah, but there was still marginal on that one But, but I, I mean, I think it's clear that both teams are keeping their powder dry for this week. Well, weekend. yes.
0: Alice Scarlett's every romantics
2: uh, option. There's a lot of romanticism in this, this week's podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's why I'm invited. Yeah, you just to be fair. This is the Romantics' tie. I think Leinster play some fantastic yeah. front foot rugby with their back row playing the way that they can. are. They, okay, they're looking like they won't have Sean O'Brien, but I mean they haven't had Sean O'Brien for large swathes of this season. Players like Dan Levy, for example, are just playing sublime rugby, yeah. and Scarlets just play sumptuous, beautiful stuff when they're in the mood. So I think this is genuinely a tie for delicious is how I describe this tie it's the one you want to watch Scarlet's And but the thing is as well is that they have recent history we know that Scarlet's beat them uh, on their run to the title uh, when it was the Pro 12 um, so there's a little bit of history there maybe you could even hint at a bit of rivalry there it's going to be fantastic fun and I think both teams there'll be a lot of offloads I think we can say that
0: Mike can you see Scarlet's pulling that off I mean we kind of would like it because it, because it would be such an exciting game, and they would have to they would have to play mesmerising rugby in order to achieve that.
1: Well, I don't want to be mischievous and suggest that uh, semi final of the Pro Fourteen, uh, Leinster aren't quite as sharply motivated as they will be for the semi final of the Champions Cup. Um, but obviously, Scarlets uh, managed to mug them. Uh, well, Muggum's not fair. They absolutely ran rings around them in the semi-final last season of the Pro 14... Uh, Pro 12, of course, it was then. Um, uh, yes, I mean, of course they can.
0: Maybe Leinster at the time were, were a bit like a club who were, have a pot of boiling water with a frog in it.
1: Well, yeah. Sorry. I mean, Irish rugby wasn't in <laughs> such a great place we a just, year ago. I mean, it, it, all, it all changes so quickly, We love that frog it? so
0: much, we feeling <laughs> for him.
1: It all changes so quickly. I mean, uh Wales gave Ireland a good thumping uh, in Cardiff, the penultimate round of the last Six Nations, and people were wondering about Joe Schmidt's future. Uh, the Scarlets romped through to the final of the Pro 12, um, beating Leinster and uh, thrashing Leinster and Munster on the way. Uh, and now, suddenly, it's turned around. And England you know—England are back-to-back Six Nations champions, uh, back-to-back European champions in Saracens, and now English rugby's... Uh, in crisis and uh, was that your synopsis
0: Irish? of the last 2 years of rugby history in one sentence?
1: Would you say I would I do no, I, I think you done You done it all. all. Right. You've done but it but yeah, all. yeah, no, You're I mean now, now how it, how the wheel turns and so on. Uh Ireland are back in the pink and uh I would imagine they Leinster will probably beat Scarlets. but I, I think um All Ireland final. Racing will. No, I think Racing all.
0: You think
2: Racing? I mean Rassing's Racing's an interesting one. You don't know which which team's going to turn up. They lost to Toulouse at the weekend. Now, I mean, that's another discussion for another day. Was it? Toulouse. Was it? Um, Toulouse have managed to climb into the second position in the league. This is a team that we've been saying has turned themselves into a sleeping giant and been underperforming. That's a discussion for another day. What's happened to Toulouse? Racing have fallen out of the top two spots, but they made 12 changes for that game at mm. the weekend. Um, their eyes are firmly on the prize with Europe. It's the one that they want. I mean, you don't invest that much money over that much time without saying that that's the glittering trophy that they want in their cabinet. Um obviously again, you know, fairy tale ending how great a career would it be for Dan Carter if he ended it off in Europe with a a big trophy to hold above his head. Maybe two, depends how the way is it the Dan, is the
0: season. Dan Carter thing maybe a distraction or or a temptation to um to feel an obligation to play him.
2: are they not slightly better without well, him or Pat, he came off the bench well, Pat and was played? Lambie,
1: yeah, Pat Lambie. Started,
0: didn't he? Uh, in- he started yeah. in
2: the quarter final, yeah. Yeah, and Carter came on and completely transformed the game. So yeah, you, you know, it's not. I mean, I, I again, I said on this podcast, I I had assumed that he was, you know, there were there were issues with how he was he was playing, but he proved me wrong by putting in a performance that he's still capable of turning it on in a big game, mm. and he doesn't have to yeah, play eighty minutes. Yeah. Um, but of course, I, I, again, I'm saying that would be that would be a lovely narrative, for it, Munster. An all-Ireland final in Bilbao would be a fascinating <laughs> prospect. I'd, l- <laughs> you know, it would certainly be good. I suppose there's racing. I think, even though they're playing so far away from home at a neutral venue, I don't know. Maybe it's their time. Okay, well, just uh, let,
0: let's ha- have some predictions. Who who, who is the uh, the final going to be in Bilbao, Mike? Uh, I will go Leinster racing.
2: Al? You know what, actually, this is the romantic version of this podcast, so I'm going <laughs> Leinster Munster playing in Bilbao. Is
1: that romantic? I suppose An All-Island
2: Final would be yeah, great fun. But,
1: I mean, they're two familiar faces, aren't they? Absolutely, but it would still be good sharp fun. end.
2: Okay, right, Romantic fine. would have Scarlet. Okay, Come on, sc- you've got to. A- Scarlet's Munster?
0: I'll, I'll settle for that. Uh, it's, it's Scarlet's racing is, it, you know, if, if this is... If, if this is the Romantics podcast. Then, um, as, you got you want Scarlets in there, and you want Dan Carter as well. So yeah. D.C.B.
2: Yeah. Scarlets. Okay. Ignore everything I have just said in the last couple of minutes.
0: <laughs> that was uh, the the uh, Ruck podcast. Can I just give a quick oh, shout out to one last that wasn't thing? wasn't The Ruck podcast. So. I want
2: to give a. Can I just give a quick shout out to one thing? And it was the for me. It was the result that jumped off the page this weekend. Piteley, and I probably pronounced that wrong, beat Colwyn Bay one hundred forty one ten in the Swalec National League One North. And they had, they were starting for the first time five 19 year olds in their team. That's a fairy tale. That's a fairy tale. You, you, really. the you
1: know what they say in about the that Colwyn Bay team <laughs>
0: yeah. boiling oh, water, frog, yeah. frog. <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to The Ruck. We'll be back next week uh, with a special uh, with Stephen Jones talking about uh, the Tyrrells League and the women's game. Uh, we were going to record that uh, especially this week, but that's been postponed to next week, so please tune in for that. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon.